Hey there, film fans. My name is Jeff. My name is Dave. And my name is John. And welcome back to The Love of Cinema, a pod in which we'll challenge one another to discuss movies, both new and old, with a strictly positive critical eye. That's right. And to make sure we're discussing these movies with a strictly positive critical eye, we are making this here podcast a drinking game, people. A drinking game? Mm. Oh. That means anytime we talk about this American classic that we'll be discussing today and we say something bad, dumb, negative, or misleading about this film, you're going to hear this sound. And that means that we are telling that person to go F themselves and have a drink. (laughs) And we hope that you all at home have a drink with us, unless you're behind the wheel of a car. Drive safe. (laughs) So pour yourselves a glass and sit back and get ready to get told to get effed. Oh my gosh. Well, before we get into our episode, let's head it over let's head over to John for a couple shout outs. Quick shout outs. We have some shout outs. We have a beer sponsor. His name is Carlos Barroso. You can Wait, find we should him get more Instagram. beer. We're back in New York. <laughs> Honestly, Carlos. come on. Hey, where's that beer sponsor? Carlos, come at me. Yeah, that's for Carlos. Go fuck yourself, Carlos. Uh, he's right. got a handle on Instagram. It is C Barroso Bar 2019. That is C B A R R O Z O B A R 2019. If you're digging the music. You can download all this music and all the rest that this artist, Dasein, can provide if you head over to soundcloud.com forward slash Dasein dash artist. We will hook it up for you. All right, Jeff, let's get back and let's introduce a special guest that we have with us today. You know what, John? I'm going to send it right back to you because this is I'm your excited. invite. I'm glad this is your did. account, so let's do it. <laughs> all right, so we have Mr. Matt Gilbert. He is one of the co-hosts of the Matt and Mark movie show. Any hardcore listeners to the Love of Cinema pod may have heard me mention that I was lucky enough to uh, come and guest host on their Mortal Kombat episode before we did our Mortal Kombat episode. I had a fucking blast. Matt Gilbert, welcome to the show, dude. Wow. Thank you guys so much for having me. This is amazing. It's surreal because I've been listening to you guys for the last week. So uh, now to be here in yeah. person is strange. Oh god, but, that must be annoying. It's like I'm sick oh, of the yeah, sound of your voices. <laughs> no, no, it's like, yeah. it's almost like watching the Showbiz Pizza Band and then peeking behind the curtain. There you all are. Mm-hmm. Watching exactly, you all work. Exactly what it's like. Dude. You're already Tell talking faster bit. to keep up with us. <laughs> yeah, that's just gonna happen. Just happens here. Tell us a little bit, just to give you not to pimp you out too hard. But anyone who hasn't had the good grace to listen to your show yet, it's you and your buddy Mark. Tell us just a little bit about the show and where we can find you and everything. Yeah, uh, we're the Matt and Mark Movie Show. You can search us. We're available on all the major pod platforms. Uh, it's me and my buddy, Mark Monstrowski. We met 20 years ago. Um, it's a bromance, a two-decade bromance. We've been watching movies oh, yeah. together ever since. And uh, I like to tell people that our podcast is 20% movie review and about 80% old man tangent, mm-hmm. where we get fixated <laughs> on something and we yell about it. Nice. which is honestly it's like some of my favorite parts of the show anyone who hasn't checked this out yet it's really funny you are still don't be modest dude you're gonna still get some fun film talk too you guys know what you're talking about but you're also just gonna hear two hilarious friends go at it with each other and it's very enjoyable i definitely recommend it subscribe like love follow those guys the matt and mark movie show wow thank you and it was a pleasure to have you on our show john and i think we're gonna Thanks, i man. would love to wrangle both of you guys get on the show fuckers. as well yeah, get these motherfuckers if on you there. dare yeah. <laughs> Okay. They will do it, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, God, right. the things I've done on air. <laughs> Love that. Yeah, uh, so that should, we, should we put him through, uh, through the standard ringer questions? Go ahead. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So, yeah. So, go, put him in the box. What put is your the number one favorite movie? 
oh, not to be this guy, but it changes all the time. So it depends oh, on the day. Yeah, and on the day you've reached me today, it's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles from 1990. Today is my Ninja oh my Turtle God. day. It's a classic. Best movie ever made. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yes, well, dude. Not according yeah. to recent polls, but. Um, and <laughs> the worst movie you've ever seen in your life? Oh, God. I think the worst movie I've probably ever seen um, would be a little, little seen film called Nicholas Nickleby. It starred Charlie Hunnam way back in the day. I, I was forced to watch it for a That was a trick question. You have to drink. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. Nicholas right Nickleby. It. They always fall for it. It's great. Oh, God. I walked right so, in. Well, yeah, I haven't, I haven't heard of this. Like, I haven't heard of it. It's Charlie Hunnam. I watched it for a class. I don't remember anything about it. Um, I just remember it was a lot of frocked collars and a lot of posturing and tea. It's got to be uh, a, from, a period piece. Uh, yeah. Yeah, like a restaurant. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. Sweet, dude. Well, again, welcome to the show. We are so excited. Jeff, what are we talking about today, dude? All right. Well, today we are going to be talking about American graffiti. And really quick, friends, at the midweek drop coming up soon, we are going to be talking about the Toxic Avenger, and our special guest host, Matt, here, loves the Toxic Avenger. And we are, going to be, we are going to be doing that in a very specific format, which is going to be somewhat of a debate style, where we debate just how good the Toxic Avenger is. That is 1984's mm-hmm. The Toxic Avenger, right in the middle of that 80s horror, just, just, just right in the meat potatoes of, is it a comedy? Is it a horror? Is it way too sexy? It's all of those great things. And Matt is going to be our resident expert and positive critic on that one. And I can't wait to get to that. So <laughs> look out for the Toxic Avenger. But first, today, right now, we are going to be talking about American Graffiti. But before we get into American Graffiti, which is ranked, I think number 64 as of right now on the AFI's top 100 list. Dave loves the Ooh. AFI list, especially the A, which stands for American and Dave's from Australia. But we're going to talk and about American Graffiti. The F graffiti, stands but... for fuck yeah, right? That's yeah, right. Yeah, fuck yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, but, yeah, but really quick, we do have a lot of people that listen in time and they want to know what we've been watching. So Matt, I hope you get ready to join us in a bit. Dave, you can kick us off. What have you been watching this week? Oh, I hit the classics this week. Uh, I don't know whether I yeah. mentioned last week, I, I right, it was because it was right on the cast, but I, I watched Dread the um oh, yeah, yeah, the, yeah the, the more recent one um but also i went right back just to see if it really stood still stood up and i watched the league of extraordinary gentlemen oh yeah nice. yeah fun times mr no. connery mm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Moving on. laughs> yeah ouch ouch oh my okay. also i'd be remiss if i didn't mention that uh after all our hailing of paddington 2 being the best reviewed movie of all time, it got knocked oh, off yeah. already this week. <laughs> yeah, it got knocked off yeah. already this week. Uh, yeah, so yeah, padding the two. Can you, took can a you dive. let the people and what what is number one now? Number one is now Toy Story two. Oh fuck! Oh wow! Wow! <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think the guy who suddenly surfaced with this uh, negative review thought that Citizen Kane was just going to go straight back up there, but nope. I mean, turns out yeah, Toy Story 2 not. is now the he best reviewed film He was secretly the of president time. of the Toy Story 2 fan club. <laughs> yes. It's all been a massive <laughs> conspiracy. He's the treasurer. Honestly, He's not even dude. the president. Yeah. <laughs> I was the pickiest out of the Toy Story when we did our franchise face-off, but 2 has some real good gut punches there. They had some yeah. real, real good ones. 2 is really good, yeah. Um, yeah all right, should around. we... Anything else, Dave, or we want to pass it off to Joe? That was me. Pass it on. Uh, so I, I think I mentioned it last week. I watched the first Pirates. I had some friends and family visiting and stuff. I was going some places. So I just stuck with that. Don't blame them along. for your choice of movies. <laughs> no, I just feel I just feel like I didn't get to watch much more than number two and number three. I think I still had the fourth one, Dead, Man, Dead Man's Chest, which I have not seen uh, you, you can, before. You can miss that. 
Isn't Dead Man's okay, two? Yeah. I thought four is okay. at World's End. No, it doesn't matter. Three is at that's World's number End. That's number three. Three is at World's End. So, um, yeah, you know, it was okay. I think we may have made the right choice not putting them in our franchise face-off. But, uh... <laughs> yeah, they've made, <laughs> well, made so many fun. of them now. It's fun. like Star Wars. You have to concentrate to figure out which one you're talking about. It really is. It really is. But uh, good enough time anyway. How about you? Uh, Do you want to hit us first? I I actually hadn't watched the final episode of the Sons of Sam documentary. Final episode's a little bit of a downer, though. So if anybody, for whatever reason, is losing steam, I'm not telling you to not finish it, but Netflix knows that. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Wait, so the rest of the Sons of Sam documentary is a a feel-good? It's like an upper? (laughs) The rest? (laughs) That's right. (laughs) (laughs) At least the first three is fascinating. But the last one, it it becomes about musical. I'm not getting into it. And then I'm I'm actually still a little behind on on Mare, Mare Meastown, which is out right now as we're recording it. Is the, uh, the is, the, is the finale? The finale so, is right uh, now. We'll yeah. see. I'll, I'll I'll finish. I'm by still next going week. with that. Uh, nice. I think I think that's it for me, Matt. What have you been Matt, up to? What have you, you been watching, man? Yeah. I finally got to uh, Amazon's Invincible. Um, oh, I'm shit. only the about cartoon, four episodes right? yeah. in, but I'm loving it. Every single episode reminds me of like what good solid writing is. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and nice. I'm also a big fan of violence too, so I got a little violence and a little good writing. And um, I also then pivoted. Uh, same on be, Amazon. That's going to be our out of context audio clip for the week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and i also caught a little movie i believe it was released last year from a24 called saint maud um this was supposed to be like the latest in their sort of art house horror uh and it looked yeah. like a religious uh themed movie about a, a girl who has some religious proclivities maybe some mental issues happening it's like a black swan-esque religion horror movie i highly nice. recommend uh, that's and awesome that I'm so yeah. sorry that um, Amazon outbid you for the MGM Studios. I know that uh, you guys were really going for it, but uh, yeah, 8.5 bill is just a little bit too much for you. So sorry about that. Yeah, if it was 8.3. Everybody hear about that? That's fucking crazy, dude. Yeah. You know why it got up so high? It's because of Matt and his friend Mark and their podcast. That's why. They uh, yeah, they, they kept the up. bid going up and up and up and up and up. And there we you are. go. We're Amazon. We are Amazon whores. We will ring that bell. <laughs> we're like the Salvation Army Santas out there dancing around sponsor our show all right let's fucking do it (laughs) all right american graffiti people this is directed by george lucas this is the film he directed before star wars there was a four-year gap between 1973 and star wars which was obviously later updated to star wars a new hope when he realized he was going to make maybe too many of them <laughs> um, uh, <anyway>. <laughs> <laughs> nice try yeah. but this movie was actually it's actually considered one of the most profitable movies of all time it the budget was seven hundred seventy five thousand dollars, and it ended up grossing over a hundred million dollars now that of course is over many years and re-releases etc but that's how we got the script so for all mm. of you star wars fans something to think about again as i said before this is considered to be a, a time capsule piece i'm not sure if it's in this i feel like some pieces are in the smithsonian but i probably shouldn't get ahead of myself mel's diner from this fi- this film became a franchise <laughs> so and it's also young ronnie howard before happy days because of this movie, which, which coincidentally this also movie. started with rock around the clock it's literally nice. because of this movie yeah this movie came yeah, out in 73 yeah. Happy yeah, yeah. Day starts in '74. So yeah. this was this is this is when he was at his sexual peak, which is why he's the one dating the cheerleader <laughs> star, little Ronnie Howard. There, uh, this movie. You know, I actually, reached my sexual peak watching little Ronnie Howard in this movie. Actually, we'll, we'll get into that. We'll get into all this stuff because there's so much fun trivia no stuff that I know we've all. No, get, no <laughs> anyway, no, let's get into the plot it's, it's here. Good to be at your peak. 
right, I know I'm rambling, but fuck you guys with this whole thing, all right? This no, is great. Go, sorry. Um, it's actually produced by Francis Ford Coppola the year after The yeah. Godfather came out, which is part of the reason that he was able to secure his budget and get this movie made. Yes, it's actually the, the only reason they could get the soundtrack they wanted. The soundtrack, which right now today would be so fucking expensive, but, dude, and it's oh the same God. songs. Yeah. The soundtrack, <laughs> if you tried to do that soundtrack today, it would cost about 40 times the budget of this film. Yeah, I, actually, sure, it, it's funny. Yeah. They, they couldn't pay some of the crew members, so they paid them with uh, on-screen opportunities. And it's funny because they did pay the people who produced all the music because they needed that. 40 songs. Okay, anyway, we're getting ahead of ourselves. We'll get into it slowly. But Richard Dreyfus, who somehow goes from high school booty chaser to shark, middle-aged shark expert in two years, because he's in Jaws two <laughs> years later. And then Ron Howard, and then you'll also have Harrison Ford, George Lucas directed. Yeah. Harrison Ford is in this film. Any connections this, there, this, people? Was this Harrison Ford's first one? No, 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 no. He was in a couple other movies. Actually, okay. the conversation he came was. out uh, this year, maybe the year after this too. So a couple other big ones. I'm not even talking about this yeah. fucking movies about yet. God damn it. Okay, so American Graffiti <laughs> is about. This is actually one of the few movies where the one sentence IMDb description actually nails it which is a couple of high school grads spend one final night cruising the strip with their buddies before they go off to college. We can unpack that more, but this is American Graffiti. It all takes place in one night after a couple, they say it's two, but let's say four best friends before they go off to college in Southern California, cars, music. It's set in 1962. It's a nostalgia piece. It's great. Who would like to get us started with initial reactions? Why don't we start with one of our co-hosts before we get into our special guests? And let's let's also throw the, this out there that this is our uh, for our, th- this episode is you should have seen that by now. All four Fuck, of us got to say that have Damn never <laughs> seen this movie. All this is all four of ours should have seen it by fucking now. <laughs> Cannot believe we have none of us have seen American Graffiti. It, you know, I mean, I. Yeah, I kind of want to just throw that out there. And then maybe, Matt, you can just come back at us. What was it like watching the first time? I think we're all going to have some thoughts on, like, hearing so much about this movie before we saw it. So, like, what did you think, dude? Uh, It's always been, for me, the weird, that one George Lucas movie, even more than THX 1138, which is a movie that I kind of found in film school. But this is always the George Lucas movie that's, like, hanging in the closet that you haven't watched yet. And it's just kind of crazy that George Lucas is somebody, I think, especially for guys in our age group, he really molded us in our childhoods, you know, with Star Wars and Indiana Jones and Willow and, you know, all this amazing stuff. Um, So it's crazy Mm -hmm. to think of him pre-franchise crazy to think of him untouched by studio as a as a maverick right as an indie director coming in with a vision and he's not talking about spaceships or futuristic environments or green screen he hasn't discovered any of those tricks yet his tricks are characters and Mm -hmm. he does them well right Mm -hmm. you can see a little bit of that sort of bigness coming through in the way that he shoots things um that he would later find in star wars those really really lush wides but i really was impressed with his character work i thought this was just gonna be a car movie and i was like i'm not into the idea of a car movie i think that was the other reason i was kind of blowing it off it's not a car movie the cars are the background this is a people movie and i think um the amazing thing is especially if you're like a richard dreyfus fan if you're like a matt hooper fan get ready because hooper is charming as fuck in this movie he's awesome um survives a crazy night i think the craziest night of all the nights that we see in the movie <laughs> yeah with it and comes out like richard dreyfus i was impressed i was really impressed yeah. with the character work it was a, it's a sweet movie i completely richard, agree man. richard dreyfus does subtext so well 
where uh. he knows what he's doing is ridiculous. And he, his, his story, well, uh, how should we break down? Let, let's go with initial reactions first and then we'll get to the movie. Uh, Dave, what, what was your initial takeaway after watching this movie? I was, I was a little worried about this because, I mean, famously, yeah. the, I, I know it's a, I looked Dave at it. Dave hates like, the AFI list. He, whenever somebody says it's a good movie, Dave is like, <laughs> fuck you. In Australia, yeah. we have 10 inch spider legs. I, I, eight, eight <laughs> times eight. It's like your little movies mean nothing to us. What's that like, got to do with anything? I, no, um, nothing it has nothing to do with it. Yeah, I was a little Where's worried Jeff about buzzing? this because, like, mm. yeah. that's for you, Jeff. Go fuck oh, yourself. Yeah, John is the thing. <laughs> oh yeah, we got remote buzzers going. Everyone can buzz everyone pretty much. Um, yeah, I was a little concerned because it it says written and directed by George Lucas, and famously right. they had to right. alter right. a lot of the dialogue in Star Wars because they were like George Not nobody enough. talks like this. Not enough and... in those remit in the one two three. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> we both hit him. He gets buzzed for each prequel. Love is like sand. Yeah, but, Love is like um, sand. Course. Yeah, we. Oh, it was. It, it eases like you ease into like a shot with like rock around the clock, and it's got the diner there, and then this moped basically rides in and the first thing he does is crashes the fucking thing up a wall and i laughed out loud awesome, yeah. i then found out yeah. later that was an accident it like, like a real accident he fucked up stopping the thing and ran up the wall and they left it in and like apparently he was encouraging people to improv and you can see it a little bit you can see them playing mm, with each so. other like there's yeah. famous stories about people getting kicked out of hotels and all this like, on this and harrison ford apparently was drunk harrison. for almost every scene <laughs> yeah. um yeah but it's it's a like it was definitely not what I expected at all. I didn't I didn't really know what to expect. I did feel like it it I might have found the movie that finally has more driving than Bullet, um, <laughs> but it didn't suffer for it, which is great because they did this like fantastic thing where if there were two cars, they shot them both at the same time because they had mm-hmm. two cinematographers yeah. and stuff like that. Um, so I I feel like it's I I really enjoyed it. Um, I have some issues with the ending, but we'll discuss that a little bit later. But I, I feel like I really, I really enjoyed it, right. and I'm, it was, a, it was a good watch, and I learned a bit. John, nice dude. Yeah, I think I, I kind of similar to Matt, like it, and and Dave, you said it too. It's kind of hard to like separate your relationship with George Lucas and this movie, just because. And I think a lot of us grow up hearing about this movie, and then later in your life, you learn, wait, George Lucas directed that, and yeah. like you just don't really, yeah. you don't think about that. Um, it's it's so like George Lucas, I, Spielberg, Marvel. Your expectations go. Oop, there we are. I'm yeah, up here now. It's different, you know. Yeah. And you know, like like I think a lot of us, you know, I've definitely done plenty of deep dives and watched all the documentaries on George Lucas's life and this coming of age into Star Wars. And as Matt said, like he definitely identified as a indie filmmaker and always did. I mean, Star Wars just blew up, and he basically got his control back as an independent filmmaker eventually. So I'm gonna second what you said, Matt. That the character work was fantastic, but it's so obvious to me that you also see a person who is probably a prodigy filmmaker. Like this guy just knew how to film a movie, like whether or not you thought it was the most captivating thing you've ever seen. While it's not about cars, the staging of everything that was happening in that period piece was was very authentic in my mind. I felt like I was right there with them. So once again, is you know, I'm, I'm a hardcore number one a new hope fan I, I really love you know his his first directorial thing in in star wars and i i see a lot of the remnants there with this just the way he likes to stage his his wide shots and stuff so i kind of had a i didn't have issues separating from it technically i was just so pleasantly surprised by by how well he made this movie 
And then on top of that, you have so many people that are in this that you've seen before and have gone on to do such amazing work that it, I'm not gonna lie, for me, this made me feel like I was watching my mom's generation's version of Dazed and Confused. And everyone on, everyone on the it. great work except those two cinematographers. Nothing yeah. after this. <laughs> Aw, that's a shame. Oh. <laughs> I wouldn't mind doing a deep dazed, dive and finding out if they fought about it. Dazed definitely pulled, dazed and confused, definitely. There's no, I, 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 know, I, know, I know Slacker yeah. got him dazed and confused, and I actually just read the book called All Right, All Right, All Right. Uh, which apparently is not just Matthew McConaughey's. It was uh, uh, somebody who wrote a book, which is just a series of interviews about the making of that movie. But they don't talk about American Graffiti, and I think they're doing it. Well, you know what I mean? It's one of those things where it's like, that means that it's yeah. about American. Get the fuck out of here. You know what I mean? If they oh, yeah, said, yeah. oh, I mean, American Graffiti, that would mean like loosely. No, no, for sure. This is, it's one look, night. There are, high school. It's one night, yeah. Nostalgia. Even the, scene in, uh, even the scene in Dazed where they go to score the booze, is yeah, wholesale yes. ripped it's from American so, Graffiti. Yeah. It even ends with a guy shooting at them. Yeah. By that, that moment <laughs> the in American scene. Graffiti, <laughs> that moment in American Graffiti was so funny, dude. When he tosses yeah. the booze out of and runs away, <laughs> so well done. Uh, but yeah, that was the last thing I wanted to say, Jeff. Basically, that I, I'm a huge fan of when you can pull off. It feels like a play. We've talked about this on the show before. I yeah. kind of love it when you turn the single episode, the single night, the single day into kind of a a really cinematic experience. La Dolce Vita, mm. I mean, he's definitely not the first one to do it, but for America with a score like this, I completely understand why some people would look at this being number 62 on the AFI list above Cabaret, uh, behind Sullivan's Travels and say, I don't know if it's a cinematic masterpiece, but I also understand why somebody would say, yeah, but when this thing came out, it exploded. Let's just yeah. talk about it. We don't have to talk about it. I'm just going to list it very fast. The budget for this thing was $777,000. It made $115 million worldwide. So basically, after Lucas made THX with Coppola up there in San Fran, they lost mm. a lot of money on it. And they were still in that independent mindset thinking. And they basically said, all right, let's do it again. But let's let's nail it to the wall. Let's make sure we do something that is going to make us money. And Lucas just, again, just a book in that. He took his skill set down there. He knew how to make a good movie, got a great team of actors, a really good script in his hands, and he let those characters go to work in his magnificent framing. And I'm just not surprised this movie is as popular as it is. So he, I really, he I really had a fun time. He understood the power of nostalgia. I mean, it's not, again, that's not just the cars, as we said before, but this, there's a yeah. little deuce coupe in it, right? Uh, there's a T-Bird, which apparently the owner of the T-Bird was on set and stayed close and kept polishing it between <laughs> sets and telling everybody how to drive <laughs> yeah. it. Um, but... Um, it's it's a co-written script for all of our George Lucas George Lucas yeah. critics of his writing, and um, it is it's just it's coming off of a line of independent films. So that like Easy Rider was a couple years before this, and you even can see like you know I, I always thought it would be like Mean Streets, The Godfather, Serpico, like it was all brawny, but mm. it it wasn't exactly that case. The Graduate, like all these other movies, were were opening up the doors to that. So people just wanted that reminder of what it was like. This is remnant of George Lucas's life growing up, I imagine. And uh, Matt, you said you studied this in, in film school. You have the lineage of when this falls because this is the same. This is one of those great years. We just talked about we talked about The Exorcist on here, but we just talked about The Sting came out the same year as this. Seventy three. And beat it at the Oscars, right? Yeah. This thing yeah. beat it. Yeah, this was nominated for five Oscars, which it, all the reviews will say that the um the structure of this is hidden. You don't even realize how well structured this is, maybe until the second or third thing. But Matt, the the, when this came out, the like the lineage of what's going on probably helped this thing just explode, right? And, and I the, second the, so, yeah. the second the point you just said, dude, because that was such a perfect parallel, 
just like in the 70s, uh, late 60s into the early 70s, when these amazing independent filmmakers were coming out of United Artists, uh, Coppola, Scorsese, and they were just, you know, nailing it to the wall um, with these really gritty things. That was happening in the early 90s, too. Tarantino, you know, similar, PTA, yeah. Fincher, you know, it was a very similar thing. And then Linklater pops out of it with this kind of nostalgia yeah. piece. Well, and I mean, what's Tarantino hidden in those nostalgia pieces... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I was waiting for a buzz to happen. I was like, I'm waiting for a buzz. Gonna be Somebody's going to get buzzed. Yeah, get out of here. And ask Matt. Yeah, yeah, Matt, yeah. you open up. Let's go. Yeah, yeah, I'm buzzing John again for cutting you off. Let's go. <laughs> okay. Oh. Um, you know what? How about this? In the spirit of buzzing and in camaraderie with Dave, I'm going to say something that I didn't like. Um, I did love the movie, yeah. but I will just point out one thing that I think uh, <laughs> there is a weird, weird situation happening with the badass Fonzie character of this movie whose name is John Milner. <laughs> he is stuck with a yeah. little girl. Her name is Carol. He's mm-hmm. stuck with 16 candles. Yeah. Oh man, he I'm wishes she was 16 candles. Age. I think she's like 13 or 12, something. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, it, and it's really cool because to the, and this is really just putting it in a can, but through their unlikely sort of friendship, they both grow up over the night. What I didn't like was I thought that actor, the little girl, was pretty bad. <laughs> her oh, characters no. were really well. Her characters were mm-hmm. really well. Oh, here we go. She became a pretty big name. success with, wasn't she yeah. in Laverne and Shirley? Yes, she was. No, yeah. yeah. Was that her? No, no, no. That's Diane. No, 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 that's, that's, that's Diane. That's, that's Ron Diane. Howard's girlfriend. But, no, it was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yes, you're right. Sorry. She became it something. It was Mackenzie Phillips. She, I'm going for it. Keep, keep talking, Matt. I'll find it. Yeah, she's a little too abrasive when she needs to be abrasive. And I get that she's being like the catty young girl, right? She sort of wants to show off for the big tough guy. John Milner owns the drag. He is Mr. Cruz and everybody knows his deuce coupe. So it's a big deal for her to be in the car with him. And it's kind of funny how she's written on the page like she is running every situation they're in. She manipulates John. She gets John to feel bad for her. She's controlling every situation. I think in the hands of a Jodie Foster, who would have maybe been era appropriate for this, something like that would have been a little better. But I was not in love with Mackenzie Phillips. I loved her character. did not like the actor. All right. There you go. I mean, all right. You so know, you let me say this constructively. Like, okay, you know. <laughs> yeah. Let me say this constructively, though. I Jeff, feel Jeff, like the, uh, the, the buzz is enough. You don't have to tell me to go. Oh, okay. Go. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Jodie Foster. I feel already. How about this? Can we all accept this? Can we agree with this? I feel like Jodie Foster is to Scorsese what Mackenzie Phillips is to George Lucas. Why is that? Like Jodie may have been too intense and too real and too next level with the grounded. Right. That's everybody who sees Taxi like Driver movie... says, "Man, she's just too good." Man, I don't know. I don't buy it. She might have stolen the movie away. That's, I, that's, that's honestly, I don't know if anyone with that kind mm-hmm. of reality was supposed to really peak, except for Richard. I feel like Richard's character was the only one that was supposed to be, we already said, he kind of has the craziest night. And I don't just think it's the his arc of his character. I feel like the, the, the actor, Richard Dreyfuss, what he brought to it, there was this grounded kind of thing that otherwise the flip of what happens in his story wouldn't really make sense. Everyone else in this movie, kind of, you kind of get the idea that Oh, the 50s, just people know what life, what it can be. It can be summed up in a single night. They can make their plans. They, it, everything is kind of in this perfect nostalgic place. And then Dreyfus is the most, I thought, I felt that he was the most grounded one. And that gave him potential to, to have his world turned upside down. Now, Dave, you mentioned earlier, you didn't really like the ending, though. I didn't. Um, the, not, not the ending. It's like, I'll, I'll get into that in a minute. But uh, Dreyfus, for me, was... Uh, and having seen them in the reverse order, um, he reminded me a lot of Jeremy Piven in PCU. 
just in the way oh, he yeah, carried himself that, and yeah, stuff. Yeah, 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 good call. That's fun. He does have a, lot of, a little bit of that. PC, in PCU is well, one of my smarmy. guilty pleasure films. Oh, I'm yeah. right. I love that. I love that thing. <laughs> Can you blow me where the Pampers is? Yeah. Can you blow <laughs> me where the Pampers <laughs> is? Yeah. Another audio <laughs> grab for this week. From this yeah, Richard Dreyfus is like an amazing. I read this thing, and I can't take credit for this, but um, I read this thing online <laughs> about American Graffiti in preparation for this lovely podcast. That sure. each of the cars featured in the movie sort of have a human analog. So for, obviously, for Milner, he's got the Deuce Coupe. For uh, your boy Ron Howard, he's got the really nice white, uh, big whatever Chevy that is. Right? Hmm. Toad has a mix of his Vespa and the car he borrows from Ron Howard. But if you notice the car that Richard Dreyfus is driving, he's driving a Citroen. It's like this weird yeah. French car. It's quirky. It's weird. The color's kind of odd. It doesn't really work. He's got to get a jump to it. It's a lot like Richard Dreyfus, uh, especially, and I won't give this away, but what becomes of his character, what we're told in the epilogue, it sort of all makes sense. It, it's neat. It's like another little Lucas touch where it's like, hey, you're you're bad, so your lightsaber is red. Okay, well, you're this kind of character. You're going to drive a weird French import. You're the tough guy. You drive the the deuce coupe like it's I, cool those little associations make for a great I would, movie I would, shorthand i would love to see the screenplay to see if it's like internal deuce coupe internal like yeah if it's the <laughs> like it's the cars listed as the locations because they really they were how do they do does anybody know it, how they did, did those camera angles because they did a lot of shots so the whole night just in case anybody's here listening that hasn't seen this yet it's it's back and forth between the diner mel's diner which is sort of like a beacon on the hill. Like it is, it really feels like there's nothing around it. Like mm. it's like Sonic. If Sonic was awesome, you know what I mean? And serve good food. <laughs> Although <laughs> one, <laughs> one thing that doesn't Anything make sense negative. though, is that at one point characters <laughs> order food and then leave before they get it. That's something that I promise you friends, I will never do ever in my life. I will never leave. <laughs> Even if I have to wait the 20 minutes, I'll just complain about it. I recently waited a full hour at an Indian restaurant for food that I had already ordered online. So I would never leave before it. But anyway, so you have Mel's Diner and then a lot of people driving around. So back and forth, Mel's. So you have that tent pole. Let me ask you this. Does Cruising. it annoy you when you see characters on film eating and then they have to get, they walk away from a meal or they're in the middle of a bite and they have to leave? Are you a person who lingers on the Yeah, on they the might as well shout screen? that their phone number is 555-5555 and they do that. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll tell the yeah, one that, I, the, I, I, I'll, I'll throw back seeing as you asked that question, the witches. Um, why would the, you shout that out? Anne yeah, Hathaway, why, because HBO. we watched it? The, the, one, the one thing that angered me the most in that movie was when that kid would not eat his fried That's chicken. That's what angered you the most? Yeah. No, I remember you saying that. Because no, I, I just been put on a diet. Was... I'm like, you eat that fried chicken, you little bastard. She had just made it too. <laughs> I, I'm going to push back. I'm going to push back a little bit though. I remember specifically thinking the opposite. So maybe I kind of lost track of it throughout the movie. But the first scene when Ron Howard, which I thought was great, is trying to break up with his girlfriend, Cindy Williams, and they're yeah. both eating French fries in the car and he can't quite say it. I was like, good for them. They're actually eating those fries. Like they're eating a lot of French fries and but in the, in the lull moments. And it didn't feel like, you know, food acting where you kind of half eat the fry just for continuity. So you won't mess it up. Eat the whole fry. So I, don't, I, I think there were a couple scenes later where Ronnie is in the diner alone after she leaves him and he's sipping a milkshake. And it was like, what is he doing? Like nobody's actually eating in this restaurant anymore. <laughs> But I don't know. I am a food. I do focus on shit like that. And I Fries think it's fucking annoying because that'll pull Fries you right out Fries are quieter than chips. You know what I mean? You can eat a lot of them. It's not like eating the burgers for anybody who loves the social network. Guys, I want to ask. All right. All right. We're, we're on this thing right now. I guess I want to ask you guys a technical question. I noticed it with this. I, I watch old movies all the time. So it's something I think about. But definitely this and the sting. I understood every word clearly. I put on a recent thing on a streaming service. 
and I'm like, don't get me wrong. I love sound mixes. I, I have, you know, I have good speakers and stuff. I want the full sound effect, but I'm having troubles kind of hearing dialogue from contemporary stuff. You don't miss a fucking word in these old movies, do you? A, lo- a I lot of like that's this, in the, right there. to be, to be totally technical, a lot of that is in the transcoding. Like some of this stuff was shot in mono. Like it was recorded right. in mono. I think that's it was rec- because it was, it was recorded, recorded in, in stereo. mono. Yeah. Whereas, and sometimes in the, like the trip through streaming and QC and everything, the the levels in like because you can you can mix the hell out of something that sounds great in a studio, but then right. you don't know what everyone's got their their shit set to at home. So yeah, right. some people have like the dialogue tracked down. Some people and sometimes the mix doesn't come well through sound bars. It's like getting getting a film mix. Like if you want it to sound right, go to the movies and see it. You're right. You're right. Yeah. And, and I know the they sound mix in this movie is beautiful. They're yeah, able to. I, I mean, yeah. so usually too. with George yeah. Lucas, right? You kind of understand like sound is going to be good, right? Even if it's Attack of the Clones, you close your eyes. The sound, <laughs> sound. is good. You like the sound. <laughs> um, but I love that sound. Not only but not only was hovering is over just, that buzzer right there. I was ready. I was ready for you. Uh, no, but it, it, what I love is that sound also sort of features as an environmental element in the movie in that, you know, the way that Toad knows the car is stolen is that the radio stops playing. Yes, and yes, I didn't yes. even realize it because I was so caught up in the moment with him and that girl. She was great, by the way. That weirdo. I, I don't know what her dude. name was. Yeah, she was wonderful. She was amazing. I think she ended up like, she has pictures like David Bowie and people like, I, I don't, she, she, yeah, she, she, used she was like the 1973 film. version of like, I could see like a Zoe Deschanel playing her today. Like yes, weird, quirky, yes. not quite manic pixie. Cause there's a dark side there. Like, Hey, let's drink. Hey, let's look at some blood. Um, but I loved, uh, I loved, you know, of course the unlikely pairing with her and toad. And then just the yeah. sound, you realizing that the car is gone because there's no more Wolfman Jack. Wolfman yeah. Jack. Cool. Yeah, dude. Let's let's open that up. Like, I mean, I think that was something that hit similar to Days and Confused and, and Nashville, very, very similar to both of these things. There was a radio, very important radio piece that really does kind of tie this all together, so that you feel like it's not it's, do the right thing. Yeah, do Samuel the right Jackson. thing. Yeah. it's not just uh, the nostalgic element. It's the um, it's the all right. Go with me here. I might be above my head here, but I think this was a really good example of how George Lucas knows how to build a world. I felt like I was connected to the world of that night through Wolfman Jack. Everywhere I went. Who's a real person. He's yeah, a real DJ. DJ. It was, oh, yeah. George Lucas's so. childhood DJ in California where he grew up. And I just, I, I'm so glad you pointed that out, dude, because it seems like such an obvious. Dude, Wolfman Jack was world famous. It, world he was world famous. famous but like, I, I love what, also yeah. in, in the movie, there's a mythology about him. Like nobody knows exactly who he is. Yeah, and the, stuff. the so reveal they gave, of that gave, was, yeah. was wonderful. You know yeah. what I love too about that Wolfman scene is that Richard Dreyfuss has been through some shit in this movie. Gets yeah. like abducted by a local <laughs> gang named the Pharaohs, which by the way, that one guy is definitely like 50, okay? Yeah. So he's like a felon. Oh, yeah, he's not yeah. a high school kid. Yeah, no. Anyway, he survives all this <laughs> and he comes out only to meet his hero. And that's when he grows up, when he looks back and realizes that guy is Wolfman Jack. And do it these are the yeah. tapes. The amazing improvisations I think I hear on the radio that seem so fresh are pre-taped. That's a guy sitting here eating popsicles. Yeah. That's when he grows up. It's kind of amazing. <laughs> yeah. It's just such a weird detail. Yeah. All right. Oh, I'm going to turn right, well, us okay, around to the ending. Yeah, yeah. Come at me, like, Joe. What, what are you, you talking get, about? Well, I'm talking about the very last shot where it shows the plane okay. and then suddenly it cuts to like a text yeah. and it tells it and it tells and it tells you what happens to each of them and like you know except like, for the yeah, women on, it cares, leaves man? out the, the women the movie's over yeah. it doesn't talk about the yeah, women it's just the main four and guys Pauline but... Kale brought that up it was like hey what did the women not merit a screen and apparently George Lucas's answer to that was the movie was already too long I couldn't have another screen of text 
What went? Yeah, what yeah. Went we you didn't need that. that one to be honest. It was like that was a. It's like why the- would you? leave your audience stunned and confused by that it's like we've just watched these characters and and everything and all of a sudden you know one of them's dead and one of them's not really doing anything with his life and like it, it was a downer and i, I didn't appreciate it probably dumb he's he's probably like maybe people will think this is real it's like the fargo thing it's like well, maybe me for that like, oh, i'm getting off scott free here dave i know what you mean dude and that is you know Credit where credits due. That it was a directorial choice. Like that, you know, I'm sure they screened it both ways, made some decisions, and he fought for that at I some mean, point. He thought it was a, a lot of movies idea. in that time were doing that, like Animal House and stuff like that. Did it? Yeah, and, exactly. Um, I I kind of thought that maybe it was like a spin on that, but I also think that maybe he underestimated his ability to begin franchises because this went on to do something else. I, yeah. I kind of feel like that was his way of ending the movie. When I, I it didn't bother me that much what you're talking about, but. I think I did prefer the inflection point of Dreyfus's decision and then seeing the airplane in the air. And I was kind of ready to be left in the air, you yeah. know, ready to left travel in the on air. to like my next moved, it, everyone yeah. had, Well, I mean, I, I say everyone had resolved, but even then at the end of the film, like almost every character had made the decision to stay exactly where they started or keep doing exactly the same thing they were doing at the beginning. So nobody had a development arc. <laughs> they had some experiences and then decided to just keep living their life the way they were. So no, like, there's only one person in yeah. this whole film that actually changed. No, Ron Howard was. I mean, gonna... he, yeah, Ron Howard. But Ron Howard decided to yeah. do exactly the same thing he was doing at the beginning of the film. He's staying in his hometown. He's staying like he's not going off to like. Granted, yeah, that's a change, but yeah. like everybody else just went back to exactly what they were doing. I kind of love yeah. seeing um as Dreyfus is taking off. Oh. Oh, yeah, yeah. Buzz yourself. <laughs> Buzz David Lee. But go, go, yeah. go, go. Uh, it was on the fence. But um, I loved seeing when Dreyfus was taking off. He takes a look down at the road, and you see what I presume is the white T bird. Yeah. And it feels like not only is he leaving town, he's chasing the dream. He's still chasing it because yeah, his exactly. dream is the woman yeah. in the car. Hmm. She's tracking along with the plane. And I was like, Susan you metaphorical surrendered. motherfucker. Is this, is this what we're that's, doing? Yeah. Are you yeah. doing this? That's great. Suzanne, and, Suzanne Summers. Also, yes. yeah, that's, that's good. But stop before you get to that text at the end. I mean, okay, just bear with me. Can you imagine if he ended yeah. Star Wars like that? We get to the end, they put the medals on, and then suddenly it comes up with four things. It's like, Luke discovered his dad was the destroyer of the galaxy and had his hand chopped off during an argument. They never reconciled. Leah ran off with a smuggler after her family discovered her teenage pregnancy. C-3PO was killed by security trying to smuggle weed into Cloud City, and Panda Baba learned to fight right, <laughs> learned to write right-handed and is now an insurance salesman in Hoth. An insurance okay, salesman. Okay. So, Look, like, he, seriously, we we also know yeah, we yeah. also know. Well, I know was wasn't, he didn't see Thibia didn't sell pot. I was Come on, buzz me after that. Need another trade. He didn't need a reason to make money. Dave, so I think you should write there in are, because um, some American graffiti connects really quick. Not to keep harping on the prequels, but did you guys catch that? The car, the little flying car that Obi-Wan Kenobi drives around is supposed to be a reference to the Yellow Deuce Coupe from American Graffiti, as well as Dexter Jetster's uh, diner is supposed to be a callback to no, Mel's that, drive-in. That's a stretch. I like it. I like it. <laughs> you know what? Kiss, it, kiss a duck, Dave, with your negative shit. Google. We have a guest on here trying to give you some good crap. <laughs> kiss a duck. Come on. <laughs> Thank you. That is also, you know, I do want to say my second favorite plate. line in the movie. Did we also notice that Mil- Milner's license plate is THX 138? I did see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I do want to settle this. I do want to put this down because I'm fucking sick. I've been sick of this my whole fucking life listening to people who who, who keep saying that, oh, 
Harrison Ford was an absolute nobody before Han Solo. He was an architect, and they just asked him to come on and play this role. Carpenter. No, he wasn't. He was an actor. Yes, the carpenter, set carpenter was his side job. <laughs> he needed a raise, yeah, otherwise yeah. Uh, he couldn't yeah, support I his mean, family. He had been in multiple huge. things before Han Solo. This is proof of it. He, he was in one of George Lucas's movies before he was in Star Wars. He was a reader for Star Wars. Anyway, I'm just glad. Anyone who doesn't know that story, watch this fucking movie and then just shut the fuck up for the rest Wait, of your life. I want to settle, settle two things. Number one, does Harrison Ford have the voice of Gordon McRae? <laughs> and number two. <laughs> he made a choice. Is Harrison Ford better at driving cars? Or flying airplanes. Let's Def- definitely cars. Indiana Jones can't land, there. so I'm gonna go college. <laughs> you know he. You know he, he does he didn't get an accident his... in this, so it's not great. Apparently, I, I saw the Dave you mentioned earlier. Two fun little pieces. He got into a bar fight and got kicked out of. He got arrested at one point uh, during the shoot in yeah. a bar fight, and he he was getting paid so little money supposedly IMDb trivia that he refused to cut his hair. He didn't think yeah. that this role was paying enough, so he, that's why he's wearing a cowboy hat the whole fucking oh, no, time. He didn't. He didn't think he was in it in it enough for him to warrant the role wasn't big enough for him to warrant cutting his hair. <laughs> they were paying him. They they offered him four hundred eighty or four hundred seventy five dollars a week, and he upped him to five. Otherwise, he was going to quit. I love it that he was like, well, wow. I can't pay for my family. Five hundred dollars a week. making more money as a carpenter. Yeah. And then all the stories of Harrison Ford are like he's drunk on set, getting in fights and getting in like <laughs> dance battles and stuff. And it's like he, has a, he had a family, to, but it's all night shoots too. So he like showed up at five in the morning drunk to his family and was like, just trying to bring home the bacon. <laughs> Not only was he fighting, apparently they were climbing to the top of the Holiday Inn sign. Yes. That's what it was. Sounds yeah. horrible. <laughs> Come on, you guys! Like, how bad would you want to be on this drunk shoot? on set? He was definitely drunk. But I want to be on this shoot. How crazy is it though that Milner out Han Solo's Han Solo? Han Solo gets some moments, but Milner is so badass, man. He's badass. <laughs> I mean, yeah, hitting badass. on that sixteen-year-old. Right. Anybody, yeah. anybody have a favorite line in this? Kiss a death. Favorite. It was Kiss so weird because definitely... I knew it was it was it was filmed in such a way that it. I think it was supposed. I think it actually was supposed to be cool. I, my, for me. my favorite is when they they take um Dreyfus into the to like rob the pinball machines yeah and they take him out the front and he's like i want you to take away a little piece of this place and he's like i think i have yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. i'm like he just oh. delivered it straight but you knew exactly what he was talking about it was the most amazing delivery in this film that's next oscar winner i yeah. don't have a favorite line but i do have a favorite detail easter egg okay. yeah why does the cop have a bow tie did anyone notice this <laughs> what police officer has a bow i'm sorry it stopped me dead in the scene i was like what the fuck is this what is this oh what, what, what is the choice <laughs> i saw this after the toxic avenger so my idea of cops is just like a little warped and <laughs> thing, so. just back when the cops were good they're good they're innocent here yeah so at least the cop didn't have an bow accent ties to work <laughs> John, favorite yeah. uh, something? Uh, okay, I don't no, know. That's... <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't think. I don't think anything like really stood out to me. Uh, but I mean, I really did wow. have a fun time. John I'm loved this movie, guys. <laughs> I did. I think I liked it more than you guys, to be honest with you. From the talk of it, I felt, you're probably I right. I, really did I, haven't enjoy this said, I haven't said anything negative about this. I thought it was great. I anything really negative like at all, anything, Jeff? It, it anything feels critical? Like a cool time capsule into this era sure. like it if anything i feel and i hate this word because it's like the hot buzzword everybody's talking about now immersive everything's immersive um yeah. but this really felt like hey man you want to get airdropped into fucking 1962 yeah this is the movie yeah. for you we're cruising uh, the strip yeah, is yeah. tinder 
Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Right. This is those this is those like nineties commercials where they were like the hits of the sixties coming at you and they just scroll them on the screen and just like literally every single hit from nineteen sixty, including Johnny B. Good, shout out back to the future. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Also though, right. was it a little weird? Was yeah. it a little weird that kids of this era, you could tell they had money to spend on the music. Really, no kids of this era listening to Elvis? Seems a little strange. 62? Seems like some money didn't get passed to the You're right, right person. He was yeah. already on Ed yeah. Sullivan. You're right. We got money, <laughs> but we don't expensive. got Elvis money. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> all right, people. I think we did all we can do on this. So if you are listening to this still, thank you so much. But go kiss yourself a duck. Please join us midweek where Matt is going to join us to talk about the Toxic Avenger. And just for reference, we're going to start recording it now. So you can imagine how drunk we're going to be feeling by the end of this. <laughs> oh, so, dear. So something to think about and give you something to look forward to. Thank you so much for joining us. And we will see you midweek. 